Thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our lead pastor, Pastor Jared Brooks. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. God just keeps putting this burning fire inside of me. And this next year, where we're going, where God's taking us beyond belief is so incredible. And I, I know you guys probably aren't quite as excited as I am yet, but that's because maybe you haven't seen what I've seen yet. And so uh, just trust me, last year we spent the year going through uncharted territory. At the end of last year, God started speaking to my heart and said, you're going to continue this year to go into uncharted territory. And as you continue that path, you're going to come into places of new discovery. Okay? And in these places of new discovery, I'm going to then take you beyond belief. Everybody say beyond belief. Beyond belief. And so that's where... We're headed in 2019, and I am so thankful for that. I get excited about new things. I get excited about big things. And um, where God's taking us, I know, is going to be unbelievable this year. So I want you guys to uh, enjoy this journey, and I want you to stick with us throughout this year because God has laid out some specific plans for us uh, where we're going and we will unfold these and unpackage these along the way. But it's, we will unfold these and unpackage these along the way. But it's, it's critical that you're a part of this so that we can all go beyond belief together. Amen? Amen. So over the next few minutes today, I want to help us think about this next year. And, and maybe some, not something specific for us, but maybe something specific for you that will help you go beyond belief. Because I can stand up here, I can preach till I'm blue in the face, but if you don't receive it, if you don't grab hold of it, if you don't apply it to your life, then some of us may go beyond belief without you. And, and then you'll be coming to church and you'll sit here and you'll go, I just don't know why everybody else is so excited. What did I miss? God is going to do that. And so we want you to be a part of this. And so over this next year, I'm going to lay some things out that you could do and there's a lot of things that you could think about. But today, for the next few minutes, I want you to think about that one thing that's in your life that could help you go into beyond belief next year. And some of you, as I say that <coughs> right now, you're not real sure what I'm talking about. You're not real sure where I'm going. But there's a lot of things that we can do that will help us to get into the beyond belief stage. There's a lot of things uh, that all of us could do, we could do as a church, but there are things that you could do as an individual that are based on things that are going on in your life, relationships, your marriage, uh, your finances, whatever it may be, but if you could figure out this one thing, everybody say one thing, if you could figure out this one thing, it would help you launch beyond belief, and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. In fact, in fact, if you... <laughs> If you got a hold of this one thing and you focused on this one thing, one year from now, when you look back at where you've come from, you're going to go, wow, I cannot believe what God has done in my life. God is taking me beyond belief. In, in fact, I would say that some of us, if we focused on this one thing in six months from now, we would go, wow. Because they're that important, that big of a deal. But for some of us, we've already thought about that one thing. It's not new to us. This is not a new idea. It's not a new concept. But it's maybe something that, <coughs> excuse me, we've already thought about. We've already, somebody's mentioned to us before. Maybe an idea. Uh, maybe it was a dream at one time. Maybe it's something that we've struggled with, that we've had these one things. And, and for some reason, we've just gotten kind of distracted along the way. We've, we've lost focus somehow, uh, but whatever reason, we just lost that one thing. So I'm going to give you some examples this morning of some things 
that may be one of your things. Some of you may have four things or five things or six things. Good and bad, I don't know what your thing is. But uh, I'm going to lay some of those out, and I'm going to tell you a very cool Old Testament story that uh, I, I've loved to preach on this story. Uh, I have a few times here in this church. But I'm going to give you some things that, that we could think about that if we focused on uh, could really launch us beyond belief. So you with me this morning? So as we go through this passage, I want you to be thinking about what your one thing is. Maybe your one thing is a habit that you need to break. Mm, shout me down. So you got real, y'all were like, yeah, let's go one thing. Oh, he's done talking about my habits. <coughs> maybe there's a habit that you need to break. And maybe nobody needs to tell you what it is because you know exactly what it is. In fact, when I said that maybe there's a habit, immediately you went, oh, great. That's the Sunday. Today's the Sunday I decided to come to church. He's going to start talking about my personal stuff. But listen. If it was easy, you would have already taken care of it. And if you could just push a button, transport yourself 12 months from now, and it'd be over, and it was easy, and you didn't have any uh, side effects or whatever, you would have already. It's not that way, right? So maybe for some of us, it's a habit. Maybe for others, it's a goal that you need to accomplish. Maybe it's a project that you need to complete. Maybe it's a relationship that you need to restore, or perhaps even a relationship that you need to end. Mm, don't start nudging your neighbors right now. That's not a good time to nudge your neighbors. Some of you are in relationships right now, and the truth is that if you could push a button and there'd be no emotional shrapnel, if there wasn't any pain and consequences, if you could just get out of that relationship without all the effects, you would have been out of that relationship. But it's hard. It's difficult. And we're going to push through that. And for some of you, maybe it's a relation that, relationship that you need to restore. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you need to pick up the phone and talk to, somebody you need to have lunch with. But there's maybe, maybe your one thing is a relationship to restore. Maybe it's debt. Dun, dun, dun. See, we don't like to talk about money in the church a lot. You know, that makes people funny. Money makes people funny. But, you know, that makes people funny. Money makes people funny. But when you, uh, when you think about it, a lot of us, maybe our one thing is debt. And when we start talking about Dave Ramsey in church, and we start talking about being financially free and financial freedom, there's something inside of us that kind of gets excited, and it's almost like this spiritual moment, and you come to church, and you go, yeah, you know what, that's something I really want to do, <laughs> and it's kind of like a religious experience. Every time you hear about debt and becoming debt-free, you feel closer to God because you know it's something that God wants you to do, but it's difficult. It's difficult. Maybe you've started that process a couple times, and every time we just stop, we start carrying around that dumb debt again. Again, this is my list. I haven't really gotten to my message yet, so don't start freaking out. And, but this is my list. I'm giving you some things because throughout today, I want you to think about for you, I, I, man, I've, I've made my list. My list is, I've got things on my list. I've got, my things are prioritized on my list, the things that I need to address the, and focus on. But I want you to think, find that one thing that if you could accomplish that would help you launch beyond belief. That one thing that would really take you into the next level. And so let me set up this story. We're going to go back into the Old Testament. And this is a story that I remember very specifically <laughs> about 20 years ago maybe. Uh, being in Wichita Falls. I remember my pastor preaching on this story. story I've heard hundreds of times. And he said a couple things in this story that I thought, Wow. And all of a sudden, it began to jump off <coughs> the papers to me. And in my Bible, if you go, both of my, I have two note Bibles. And by that I mean I have two Bibles that I write all over in. And then I have my pretty Bibles that, you know, I'll carry with me when I'm dignified or whatever. And they don't have all the markings. My other Bibles look like my kids got a hold of them. And just like coloring pages and stuff. And both my note Bibles, this story is like marked up. And in the, in the margins, I've got all these notes and stuff because there's something that he said and there's some things that he said, notes and stuff, because there's something that he said and there's some things that he said that just jumped out at me. And I'm going to take some of that and I'm going to use it this morning. 
And it's, there's this powerful, powerful verse that I'm going to lead you to. And what I want to do today is I'm going to tell you the story of Nehemiah. And a lot of you know the story of Nehemiah. In fact, I used some of that in a sermon not too many months ago talking about Nehemiah. But I'm going to take you through the story of Nehemiah, and I'm going to lead you to this verse. And I want to teach you this verse and how simple it is. And if we would grab this verse, my desire is that you'll take this verse and you'll connect it to the one thing that some of you may be thinking about right now or maybe coming to your mind here in a little bit, and that you'll connect these two together, and through that, God will empower you to move to the next level beyond belief, okay? So that's where we're going to go this morning, so that you can go beyond belief. God's going to do some incredible things in your life, and you can even mark it on your notes right now. You can mark it in your book, wherever. (coughs) Mark today's date, and you start watching six months from now. You grab hold of this one thing. You watch what God does. I'm not, I'm not uh, some soothsayer or whatever, I'm not, I, but I am speaking prophetically that if you grab hold of these one things, God's going to do something. So we're going to go in the book of Nehemiah and the story of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah goes back to about 444 B.C., and it takes place around uh, Artaxerxes I. Now, if you've ever studied ancient history, you probably ran across this name. Most of you probably not. Uh, Artaxerxes was the king of Persia. In fact, most of them, most of the time, they'll call him the emperor of Persia because Persia was the dominant force during this time period, okay? And Artaxerxes is the emperor, and Nehemiah worked for Artaxerxes, okay? He started out kind of at the bottom, and he worked his way up. They lived in the city of Sosa, which is the citadel or the capital of the Persian Empire. So I'm giving you some history, some background so that you go with me. Now, if you've read the story, if you grew up in church and you've read anything about Nehemiah, you'll know that Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. And a a cupbearer, one of the main jobs of the cupbearer was to taste the wine and make sure it wasn't poisonous, Okay. So they would, they would pour the wine, and they would serve it and all that. But the main thing was you were the scapegoat. So if you died, then, uh, you know, obviously it was poisonous. So that's kind of a, I don't know that I like that job, but it kind of gets you on the inside. But, you know, the health risk got to be up there big time, you know. And so that was kind of Nehemiah's job. He was a cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah was a lot more than that when you read the story. He became a friend. He became an official. He was a Jewish man, but we really don't know that he's ever actually been to Israel, okay? So he's a Jewish man living in Sosa under the emperor of Artaxerxes, but he's probably never actually been to Israel because uh, what happened was King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came in They conquered and destroyed Israel over a hundred years before this. They destroyed the temple, destroyed the walls, and if you remember that story, that's the same time that King Nebuchadnezzar hauls off some other famous Bible characters that you may know, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, right? So a hundred years before this time that I'm talking about, that's what happened with King Nebuchadnezzar, and they destroyed the walls, destroyed the temple, and it's in ruins. Everybody that lived there, excuse me, everybody that lived there during that time scattered, okay? They fled. It was gone. It was, the city was abandoned. So over 100 years later, Nehemiah is now working for King Artaxerxes I. So if you follow history very much, you know there's a few of them. This is the first. And he gets this burden for his city. Okay? He gets this passion for his city. He starts thinking about where he's come from. <clears throat> he starts thinking about his history, you know, the history of, of who he was and, and his family and, and his, the, the people that he's descendants of. And all of a sudden he gets this burden and this passion, and he does something that's kind of risky. He goes to King Artaxerxes I. <clears throat> now remember, Nehemiah is a Jewish man. And he says to King Artaxerxes, actually, before he says this, you can go back and read Nehemiah chapter 1. Before he has this conversation with the king, 
Uh, Nehemiah chapter 1 tells us about his prayer. He prays. He prays and asks God for help and wisdom and provision. And he goes to King Artaxerxes and he says, listen, King, I've got a passion for my people back home. I, I've got this burden. I've got this desire to do something. I know I'm supposed to do something. There's, there's no leadership. There's no help. They're just... They're, they're just a, a, the laughing stock in that whole region. There's no one there, and I feel like I'm supposed to do something. And so he asked the king, he says, can you give me some time off? Okay? Now, you got to remember, ultimately, his position in the kingdom is he's a slave. Okay? So Nehemiah is actually a slave to King Artaxerxes, and he's, the slave is going to the king and saying, can I have some time off? That's kind of odd, right? And here's what the king says. The king says, you know what? I'll do better than that. Because I love you, because I have a relationship with you, I'm actually going to make you the governor of Judea. I'm actually going to make you the mayor of Jerusalem in effect. And he says, and I'll give you whatever you need to get your people in shape. You can take whatever money, whatever supplies, whatever resources you need. But here's a catch. You just got to come back to me. You can't stay there. Deal, deal. So Nehemiah, and I'm setting all this story up. I'm going somewhere. So Nehemiah, he gathers the story up. I'm going somewhere. So Nehemiah, he gathers all this money, piles of money. He takes and he goes to the lumberyard, Higginbotham's or whatever. Do y'all have Higginbotham's here? I ain't never seen a Higginbotham's around. That's a small town. Back where I come from, they got Higginbotham's. It's like uh, Ace Hardware. There you go. Ace Hardware, this before Lowe's, and uh, he goes to Ace Hardware. He loads up all this lumber and supplies and all these things, not even sure what he's going to see, not even sure what he's going to uh, come across, and he takes off headed to Jerusalem, headed to Israel, okay? Now, what you got to remember also, and this is important, is that (coughs) historians tell us that it's really, really good chance that no one living inside of the city at that time had ever seen the walls up, okay? So they had been, people that are now living in the city have been living in this city that basically had been decimated a hundred years ago, and they're just living in the city with the walls in ruins, piles everywhere, and they're just surviving. So So Nehemiah heads down to them, and he goes into this region. Now, they've been the laughingstock of this region. People have just come and gone, taken whatever they want. Uh, There are very strong warlords all around this region, and historians will tell us that they would go in because there were no walls, there was no protection, there was no army, there was no leadership, there was no direction, there was no vision. And so people would just come into the city, and they would take whatever they wanted. They would steal their crops, they would take their money, they would take their possession, they would take some of their livestock anytime they wanted because that's kind of where the city was at. So there was no self, sense of self-esteem. Does that make sense? So you get in this picture of what Jerusalem looked like this time. There's no sense of self-esteem. There's no sense of national pride. There was no sense of strength and power. They were just surviving. So Nehemiah shows up and what he sees breaks his heart. And we understand that Nehemiah (coughs) spends an entire day and an entire night traveling the city, meeting people, and talking to people, and he comes to this conclusion. If I don't get anything else done while I'm here, I've got to rebuild the walls to this city. I've got to re- there's a section of the walls that's been a breach, and they burned the gates they burned the, the city gates. They, they've destroyed this section of wall. And he says, if there's nothing else I can do, this is what I've got to do. This is what i got to do. The most important thing. I mean, the economy, it needs propped up. This place needs leadership. There needs to be leaders put in place. There needs to be some sort of organization. There's all these things on his list, I'm sure, as he went through the night. But he comes to this conclusion, there's one thing. If there's one thing that I've got to accomplish before I leave, I've got to rebuild these walls. And so 
Nehemiah, he calls the people together who live in the city, all the people in the surrounding regions, and he begins to cast compelling vision. He starts to preach vision. In fact, if you're not a Christian or a Bible reader, I challenge you to go back and read. It's this ancient piece of history, okay? It's one of the greatest history books you could read, and it's called Nehemiah, okay? And it's this piece of ancient history. And what you got to remember is when you read this book, in this book there are no miracles. This book is before Jesus, so there's no Jesus. It's just this book uh, of history. And so you can go and read this incredible story of amazing leadership and somebody who knew how to cast vision. Nehemiah understood how to cast vision. I've learned a few things from Nehemiah about how to cast vision. One of the things Nehemiah does every time he casts vision is he presents a problem. Here's the problem. And then the second thing he does is says, here's the solution. And then the third thing he does is says, here's how we're going to get to this solution. And then the fourth thing he does, he says, here's why we got to do this now. Okay? So he's casting vision. He's explaining to them what's going on and why we have to do this now. Why we have to rebuild this wall. Why we need to build up the self-esteem. Why this in turn will, will start to impact all the other issues that I've seen walking through this city. My, all the other issues that I've seen walking through this city. My list of all the other problems will begin to solve themselves if I'll address this one thing. It'll stop people from coming over and pillaging and taking whatever they want. If I, if I do this, it'll build up the city. It'll give them a sense of pride. So they started. They started building the city. They began to make progress. Progress started happening pretty fast. People in the surrounding regions thought, uh-oh, there goes part of our economy. Uh-oh. There goes part of our freedom, you know. We can't just go in anymore and just take whatever we want. They're building a wall. They're trying to keep us out. Uh-oh. If they build a wall, they're probably going to start building an army. If they start building an army, they, they may be a force. They may, they may give us a problem. We, we won't be able to control them anymore. And so people in the region start kind of panicking a little bit. They start feeling, feeling threatened by Nehemiah rebuilding this wall. So one of the opposition, one of the leaders of the opposition is a guy named Sambalot. Everybody say Sambalot. That is a great name for a puppy, right? If you have, if you have like a Rottweiler, big old German shepherd, when I Waller, Big old German shepherd. When I think of when I think of Sandlot, and I know this is so cliche or whatever, but I think of the dog from Sandlot. You know that dog from Sandlot that you, you know, he's behind the wall and stuff. So when I think of a puppy, how the beast. So when I think of Sandlot, that's what I think is that dog. I but I, so I don't really see Sandlot as the name of a, a man. And if your son's name is Sandlot, I apologize. <laughs> I just thought about that. I've never met anybody named Sambalot, so Lord, I apologize and be with starving pygmies down there in the beginning. So Sambalot had a lot of influence in the region. So Sambalot had a lot of influence in the region. So he decided what we've got to do is we've got to stop the wall. We've got to stop the wall. So he, the first thing he did was he sent spies into the camp. He sent spies into Jerusalem, and he had them start rumors. <laughs> so that was step number one. Start gossip. Oh, that's not where I'm going, so chill out, all right? But I do think it's kind of interesting that that's the first thing that the enemy was trying to do is, is send them in and start some rumors. So they begin to infiltrate. They begin to discourage the people and start some rumors. When that didn't work, they actually sent armed forces in to start fighting the people and attacking the people. Some men, at, at one point, Nehemiah had to pull some men off the wall and arm them to fight while the other men actually worked on the wall. But no matter what happened, they never stopped building. They went higher and higher and higher and higher. And all of a sudden, Sanballat realized this is not working. 
my plan to distract Nehemiah, my plan to infiltrate with these rumors and gossip, that's not working. My plan to attack him with people isn't working. So he decided a different strategy. Sambalot decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to, Sambalot decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to distract Nehemiah from the work because if I can get him outside of the city, then I can kill him. When I kill him, everybody will be discouraged and they won't be able to work on the walls because if I could take out Nehemiah, he's the problem. He's the issue. He keeps rallying these people together. He keeps talking all this stuff and everybody's believing him. If I could take him out, then, then I could stop this whole thing. And, and that's, what, that's where we're going to start. We're going to pick up in Nehemiah chapter 6. So I've given you all this history up to this point, what the book of Nehemiah is about up to this point. And so now we find <coughs> this encounter between Sambalot and Nehemiah as he tries to distract Nehemiah from the work within. And the context, this is a part of the story and we'll, we'll get to this verse in a minute, that really impacted my life in a big way. And I think that it's going to impact yours if you'll grab hold of it. So if you have your Bible, <coughs> follow along with us. If not, we'll put it up on the Sky Bible. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. It says this. When it was reported to Sambalot, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall that had no breach remained in it, although at the time I had not set up the doors and the gates. Then Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me saying, now listen, <coughs> when these guys realize there is no way we're going to stop them unless we stop Nehemiah, they decided to write Nehemiah a letter. So they write Nehemiah a letter. They give it to a messenger. The messenger goes to Nehemiah. Nehemiah obviously is working on the wall. The messenger shakes his ladder. Hey, Nehemiah, hey, got a message for you. Nehemiah comes, meets him down, reaches down, grabs the message, and we pick up right here, and it says in verse 2, Then Sambalot and Geshem sent a message to me saying, Come. Let us meet together at Shepherim, which is basically a Hebrew word that means village or city. Let's find a village and let's meet. Then Sambalot Geshem sent me a message saying, come, let's meet together at Shepherim in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me. This is what Nehemiah is saying. I get this letter. I read this letter. <laughs> And these guys are wanting to spend some time with me. They're asking me if we can go to lunch together, okay? They want to hang out. They want to go to Starbucks and get coffee. But I understand. I can read between the lines. What they're trying to do is they're trying to harm me. So I sent them a message in verse 3 saying, now listen. Now Nehemiah, he sent a message to them saying, and this is the verse that really transform my life. So what comes next is a verse that jumped off the page at me, and I've said it over and over in my lifetime, and I've said it over my kids, I've said it over my finances, I've said it over this church. But Nehemiah sends a message back to Sambalot, and it says this, so I sent a message, messenger back to them saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Come on, I, I don't think you heard what I'm saying this morning. He sends a message back to them and says, whoa, 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 whoa. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Come on, say it with me. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. You need to get that inside of your spirit this morning. They wanted to meet in the, in the plain, in the valley of Ono, and, and Nehemiah saying, oh, no. Oh, no, that's not going to happen. I'm doing a great work. Come on, somebody better hear me. I'm doing something that's more powerful. I can't come down. There's something in your life. There's a wall 
that, that you need to build up. There's something that you need to focus on in your life. Maybe it's at your job, at your workplace, in your family, at your school, in your finances. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's a desire. There's this one thing that you need to focus on. And what happens is we keep getting distracted. We keep getting pulled down. And we need to be like Nehemiah and say, oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. I can't stop what I've already started. But they didn't give up. In fact, here's the rest of the response. So I sent them a messenger in verse 3 saying, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come to you? Why should I stop? Why should I stop what I'm doing, the the vision that God gave me, the passion that God gave me? Why should I stop doing that and come tend to you? Don't you see that something great is happening inside of me? What benefit will it be of me and my vision and my passion to stop what I'm doing? That is, I am stepping on somebody's toe because you know I'm talking to you. What benefit is it? To me and the dream that God gave me, the passion that God gave me for me to stop in the middle of what I'm doing and come to you. Verse 4, it says this. They sent me, they sent messages to me four times in this manner. And I answered them in the same way. (laughs) See, Four times they kept trying. They were saying, Nehemiah, you can't work on this wall forever. We just kept trying. They were saying, Nehemiah, you can't work on this wall forever. We just want to meet. <coughs> we just want to talk. You can't meet for lunch. That's fine. Let's meet for dinner. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm doing a great work. I can't. Care. Okay, that's fine. You can't meet for dinner. Let's, let's meet for a late night coffee. Let's just have coffee. And eat. You can't work 24 hours on the wall, Nehemiah. Come on, just meet with us. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. Every time they invited him off the wall, his response was, oh, no. I can't. I can't. I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. Now, there's something significant for us. If Nehemiah had come off the wall and had met with Sambalot and his friends, they would have taken his life. We know that. We know that. Hindsight's twenty twenty. We see that from here. There are things that they were trying to do, and they knew that if they could get him off the wall, they were going to destroy his life. Do you know that there are things in your life that if we don't complete them, they can come back and destroy us? There are breaches in our walls, spiritually, so to speak. There are breaches in our walls that if we don't address it, and if we don't start to put some of our focus on some of these weak spots in our wall, <coughs> they can come back and literally destroy our lives. I didn't expect a lot of amens. I expected one or two, but I didn't expect a lot. There are things relationally that if we don't bring attention to, they're going to destroy our lives. And in Nehemiah's terms, kill you and kill your family. This is what Nehemiah says. Kill, there are things that are trying to kill future relationships. Things that are trying to kill relationships with your kids. Kill your kids. Kill your grandkids. Kill all these desires, all these dreams. That's the plan. And there are things that we have to bring attention to. Things that we have to focus on. And if we don't finish what we started, then it has the potential to ruin us. Some of you are facing things right now that if you don't pay attention to this breach in your wall, they have the potential to actually destroy you and kill you physically. Mm-hmm. This, <laughs> I'm not going to say that. <laughs> there are things physically that you know that you've just been ignoring. There are things that doctors have told you and you just say, you know what, it's no problem, I'm just going to gut it out. There are things that you know that you need to be addressing physically, and you're not addressing them physically. You just keep pushing it away. You don't need the prescription. You tore up the prescription. You change doctors because this doctor just keeps telling you to make all these changes or whatever. That's ridiculous. I don't need to make these changes. Let me tell you something. 
physically those breaches in your wall can come back and destroy you. They could kill you. Well, Pastor Jared, you're not speaking on spiritual things. Get back to the message. Talk spiritual things. You're talking physical things. You're messing with my health. Listen, you need a physical body, right? You need a physical I've never seen a spiritual ministry without a physical body. Have you? You don't see spiritual ministries without physical. The physical body is part of God's plan for your life, okay? And maybe there's a breach in your wall, and I'm preaching to the choir here that you need to address because part of God's plan for you is to finish what you started. You've thought about it a lot, but you always lose focus. You always lose sight of this. Listen, it goes to every level in our lives. For some of you, you have little kids right now. You have small kids, and you need to walk into the room when they're asleep at night. You need to look at them, and you need to begin to speak over them and say, you know what, I'm doing a good work, and I can't come down. I can't take this promotion because it'll take one more night away from my kids. And I can't do that. I'm doing a good work. I can't come down. You need to walk into the room of your teenagers. And when you walk in, you see those giant bodies laying on the bed. And you wonder how in the world they got to be so big. When they're laying there in bed, you need to speak over them and say, I'm doing a great work. I can't stop. I could chase money. I could chase all kinds. I could chase promotions. I could do all kinds. I could do things that I want to do, selfish things that I want to do that take up my time. But I'm doing a great work, and I can't stop. I can't stop it. I can't come down. For some of you, you have a picture on your desk. Some of you men especially have a picture on your desk of your wives and your children. You need to look at those every day, and they need to be a reminder to you. That there's no amount of money that you can chase and no promotions, whatever. You're, if you don't focus on this one thing, if you let this one thing slide, then it could destroy you. You need to look at that and look at that family every day and say, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. I cannot be distracted. It just can't happen. Wives, you need to look at your husbands. I don't know what you think when you look at your husbands. I don't know what women think. Uh, maybe he's a piece of work. I don't know. I don't know what you think, but, but you need to look at your husband and say, you know what? I thank God for this man. I thank God for, and you know what? I need to continue. I am doing a great work, and I can't come down. I can't stop what God has started in my life. I can't stop working this relationship. Maybe you're a college student, <coughs> a single adult or a teenager. Come on, you're smart. You're critical thinkers. You know what you're thinking about, and there's this breach in your wall, and you need to think, you know what? I, I would like to take that opportunity, but I can't because that compromises where I'm going. That compromises my wall. That compromises what God has established, what I know I'm supposed That compromises my one thing, and I can't come down. I can't stop what I'm doing. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot and I will not come down. I'd love to hang out with you guys, but I can't come down. In a year from now, you're going to see me. In a year from now, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. But right now, I'm focused, and I can't come down. Now, I'm saying, as I'm saying all of this, I know a lot of you know what I'm talking about. And I hear this all the time. People tell me this all the time. Pastor Jared, you were just preaching to me this morning. You were just, you had my number. And I, I, I'm not trying to preach to any particular person. I'm speaking to myself things that I need to focus on. There's, there's that one thing that I need to focus on. But listen, I know this morning that every one of you, you've probably thought of something right now in your mind, that one thing. I could stop right now. We could close out service and I could say, you know what? Everybody think about that one thing. Address that one thing. We could walk out of here and we feel good but we haven't brought any real attention or change. So the challenge for you this next year is will you climb that ladder? Will you stay on the wall until you finish what you know in your heart the Heavenly Father has made clear to you that needs to be accomplished? Will you say, oh, no, I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down? Will you take that one thing, oh, no, I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down? Will you take that one thing that God has put in your heart, put on your mind, 
that you need to stop, that you need to do, that you need to start, whatever it is. And can you stay on the ladder long enough to see it through to completion? See, the fact is, Nehemiah wouldn't come off the wall, but he wasn't distracted. He wasn't discouraged by his enemies. They came up with all kinds of new things. They started rumors. In fact, this, they started a rumor. They hoped that it would leak all the way to King Artaxerxes so that King Artaxerxes would yank Nehemiah out of Judea. And the rumor was this, that Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls so that he can establish his own kingdom, so that he can become king, and that he can begin to rebel against the emperor of Persia. That was the rumor. Listen, if I'm Nehemiah, and I've been serving this guy for a long time, and now I've had all this favor, and he's just giving me all this favor, I go to him and say, look, I just need to go back. And he says, yeah, go back. Take whatever you want. And I take all this stuff, and I go back. I'm rebuilding the wall. And then I hear that rumor, I'm leaving. Right? I mean, I'm going back. I'm going to make sure he knows that it's just a rumor. I didn't say that, right? And Nehemiah stays. He stays. I I would have went back and I would have tried to convince the king that that's not true. But Nehemiah just stays there. He didn't run for his life. (coughs) He heard those rumors and he just shook his head and he said, oh, no, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I can't be distracted by these rumors. Could they come back and destroy me? Maybe so. That's not my problem. I am focused on this one thing. When that didn't work, they tried something else. They got to a friend of his, somebody that Nehemiah thought was a friend, and his name's Shemiah. Not a female. It's a guy. His name was Shemiah. I don't know why his parents did that to him, but that's his name. (laughs) I got so many jokes running through my head about that. (laughs) Try and get them out. Focus, focus. And Shemaiah called him over, called Nehemiah over and said, I want you to come to dinner. I want you to come to dinner and talk to me. And so Nehemiah does because Shemaiah is his friend. And Shemaiah says this to him, says, listen, what you need to know, what I'm, I'm about to tell you something you need to know, and it's serious. There are people in your own camp here in the city, they're going to kill you in your sleep. They've decided that you putting up these walls maybe aren't in their best interest because they have businesses and trades with people in regions around. And when you put up these walls, it changes. Now there becomes an interest rate to the people coming and going inside the city and making trades. And you're now, (coughs) you're messing with their commerce. You're messing with their business. And they don't like it. And so they're going to kill you in your sleep. I'm just telling you, I'm a friend. So as a friend, I'm telling you, here's what we need to do. And he tells Nehemiah, what you got to do is you need to flee right now, and you need to flee to the temple. And you need to get to the temple and cling to the altar. Because in that day, if there was somebody in trouble and they fled to the temple and they clung to the altar, you couldn't put them to death without a trial. They had to have a trial. So that was their last hope. Run to the temple, grab the altar, and hang on. He tells Nehemiah this, you need to flee to the temple, grab the altar, and hang on. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. In fact, the men are out there working and building the wall right now. I need to get back to work. I'm, I'm doing a great work. I just came to talk to you for a minute because you're my friend. I'm just taking a water break for a second. But I haven't lost focus. I haven't changed for, I, I see what you're saying as a friend. And Nehemiah tells him, I, I don't believe you. I'm your friend. I don't believe you. You know why I don't believe you? It's because I feel like God, God gave me a vision and a passion to do this. And I ain't stopping, baby, until it's over. I'm not quitting. 
I'm, I'm not going to run with these, these rumors. They start about the king, and, and I'm trying to start a kingdom and establish a kingdom, and Artaxerxes is going to come and kill me because I'm rebelling. In. I don't care. I don't believe it. i got a job to do. All these rumors in the camp. My own people are going to turn against me? Are you kidding? People outside of this camp invite me to dinner, invite me to lunch. They just want to chat with me. Listen, I've got focused on this one thing because God showed me this one thing. And when I focus on this one thing, I'm going to see it through to the very end. This is a verse that's got to jump out at you this morning, and we've got to grab a hold of that one thing that we're thinking about. We've got to connect it to this verse that Nehemiah keeps preaching over and over and over, and we've got to go, look, I've got that one thing, and I'm doing a great work. It don't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what people are saying. It doesn't matter what people are talking about. I've got this one work that I'm doing, and I'm not coming down. Thank you for those two shouts. Y'all getting me bumped up. So Nehemiah, here's, here's the rest of his story. He says, oh no, oh no, I'm not coming down. So the book of Nehemiah, oh no, oh no, I'm not coming down. So the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah tells a story. Eventually he finishes the wall. Here's what it says, verse 15, chapter 6. <coughs> So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month, Elul, in 52 days. 52 days. Now, for us, that we can't fathom what this was like. We're talking about a city and a wall who had been, that had been destroyed and laid there for over 100 years Nehemiah comes in and he, not, not the whole city, but he takes this section and he rebuilds the wall and the gates in 52 days. Says this in verse 16, when all of our enemies heard of it, all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence. For they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of of God. Listen, throughout this entire story, there's not any miracles that happen. They never once wake up one day and a section of the walls rebuilt. There was no lightning bolt that struck their enemies. There wasn't an earthquake that like moved the rocks into the right position. There's no supernatural miracles, but the Bible says when the enemy saw this, they knew that it must have been the hand of God that was doing this because it was incredible. And listen, every one of their enemies lost their confidence. You want the enemy to back back? You need to start focusing on that one thing. And when you focus on that one thing, God will do to you what he did to Nehemiah. He had his back, and the hand of God was on him. The hand, there wasn't any miracles that happened, yet that was considered a miraculous day. Why was it miraculous? Because the people saw the vision. They saw the hand of God. They saw the one thing. They connected the one thing. And the hand of God, they saw the one thing, they connected the one thing, and they didn't stop, they didn't lose focus, period. Even the enemies, they were wowed, something's going on here. This bears the thumbprint of God. Listen, this morning I want to share some things as the band comes back. As I was writing this out, I was thinking of my ending, and I was praying over my ending, <clears throat> my closing, that this is a good time to close out, and the Holy Spirit just began to nudge me and say, I want you to address some things, so I'm going to address some things. I want to prod you, I want to goad you, and frustrate you a little bit, and disturb you a little bit, because I want to, I want to shake us, because it's easy for us. We do this all the time. We come to church and we go, it's a good word. It's good. Maybe you don't. <laughs> I don't know. But usually we come to church and we go, okay, I feel better or whatever. And we go out and there's no real 
change. Or we, we sit here and we go, okay, this time I'm going to make some changes. And we don't. It's just talk and lip service. I'm not throwing out a broad net this morning, but I'm going to give you some specifics <coughs> that I think God laid in my heart. And it's because I love you. Some of these things even deal with, with me in areas. So let me push some specifics on you this morning. Maybe your portion of the wall is a habit that you need to break. A habit that you've kind of struggled with. Maybe you drink too much. You want to know how you, I know you probably drink too much. If somebody's ever told you, you drink too much. That's a good sign. Pastor Jared, you're, you're starting to tap on alcohol. Listen, this has nothing to do with alcohol. This has nothing to do with heaven or hell. There's just this too much that I'm addressing this morning. And maybe that too much is something that you've struggled with. Listen, I, I have a, a friend of mine from another town who we were talking a few weeks ago, and he said, man, I got to stop drinking so much. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, you you getting fat or what? And he's like, no. He said, I'm spending like $400 a month good Lord, you drinking gold? I mean, I don't know what. But maybe that's an area. You're just drinking too much and, and it started to become a distraction. Maybe it's gotten to a point where it started to affect your family and starting to affect you. Listen, I'm saying these things because I love you. It has nothing to do with heaven or hell and alcohol, but it's become a de debilitating habit and it's taking over. Maybe it's prescription drugs. A prescription drug addiction. You've used all these excuses because they're prescription drugs. They were prescribed to you by a doctor or doctors. And so that's become this excuse, but it's become something that's a habit and it's become a breach in your wall. And and it started to affect your family. It started to affect relationships. It started to affect personality. I don't know, but there's just this breach, and it's become an issue. Maybe it's a tobacco addiction. You just can't stop. Maybe you're a young person, and, and you've got this issue. What do you need to do? Tell your parents. They're going to freak out. Of course they're going to freak out because they love you want long life these things begin to affect seeing your kids and seeing your grandkids and hopefully for some of us one day we even see great grandkids these physical things they begin to affect our bodies maybe it's some sort of internet addiction and this is your year this is your year that everything changes and you, you don't have to dance around it. It doesn't have to control you. You don't have to keep praying, God, 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 I just, I don't want this addiction. Today's a good day to say, you know what, I'm going to bring focus to this section of my wall. I'm going to bring focus to this breach in my wall because the enemy keeps coming in in that area. Because see, if you got a breach in your wall, the enemy doesn't go put up ladders and climb up the backside of the wall where it's all good and strong. They walk right through the breach, right through where it's broken, where it's destroyed. So our focus has to become those things. Maybe it's debt. That hits a lot of us in this room. <coughs> we hear Dave Ramsey. We hear debt consolidation commercials. We hear all these different things, and we think, this is the year we're going to get out of debt. Man, debt is crippling. It is crippling. And, and to have that freedom is unbelievable. And, and so for some of us, maybe the breach in the wall is that we got to stop and we got to focus. Maybe we need to sell something. Maybe we need to drive a hoopty. Y'all know what a hoopty is, right? I had one of those when I was in high school. It was a Tempo GL. GL made it a sports car because it had a luggage rack on the back. It was a hoopty. And man, we drove the wheels off of that thing. I think that's why it was a hoopty. But maybe some of us need to make some adjustments, tear up some cards, 
because that debt, and we we say it over and over, you know, in the church we'll say something about Dave Ramsey and we'll go, you know what, we need to do that sometime. Or maybe we even took Dave Ramsey and we started off right and then we lost focus and we just quit. We need to get to that point where we go, oh no, I'm staying on this wall because I'm, I'm doing a good work and I'm not coming down until I see it finished. What about school? This is something God laid on my heart. Maybe it's school. Maybe you're supposed to go back to school. And every year you go, man, I wish I would have done it two years ago. Now I'm older. And then two years from now, you're like, man, I wish I would have done it last year. You're poor lads. <laughs> Maybe that's something that God's called you to focus on. You're supposed to go back. You're supposed to finish school. Young people, finish school. Stand. When young people tell me they don't know if they're going to go to college or not, I, I usually freak out. Like, what? We live in America. <laughs> we live in You don't have to go to school. You get to go to school. And for a lot of people, it's free. Not for everybody. But there are some. It's a privilege. But listen, it's also a breach in some people's wall because they, that's been hanging over their head for so long because they quit and they never went back and it's just been something that's eating at them at you maybe it's a relationship thing relationships are emotional right we don't like to be emotional but maybe that's what it is you feel like you're in a relationship that that you're not supposed to be in and if you could push a button fast forward get out of it without all the emotions and all that you would but there's just too much invested now you're you're financially connected and financially invested but maybe it's a relationship and and you've got to put your focus in that relationship because it's time to get out or a relationship that it's time to restore there's that one person that mom or dad brother sister that that relationship has just been severed and you've thought over and over and over the holidays will come and go and you'll think man I just wish I could talk to them and, and fix it son a daughter and you just don't maybe this year that's the one thing that's that one thing that God's saying if you'll if you'll just focus on this I want to begin to take you beyond belief Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's being faithful to church. <laughs> I put right there, be careful, don't say this. I read it by accident, out loud. You think, listen, we laugh, but Pastor Kevin, we talk about this, and Eddie, we talk about this in staff meeting all the time where God's taking us this year. And we have a very strategic plan about some things that God is going to begin to unveil that God's already started showing us. And it is vital, vital that we grow and that we learn. These are, we're not, we're not just gonna go every week through Bible story after Bible story and just say, listen, here's another story. Let us explain what it's about. But we wanna let you know some things that are gonna set you free that are gonna unlock and unleash some, some gifts inside of you, some things inside of you that are gonna change your life. That's why this year was so strategic when God gave us this beyond belief. Listen, some of you, y'all watch TV shows, right? Y'all watch seasons. My wife, she went back a few months ago and she binge watched Grey's Anatomy because she had been missing a little bit here and there. So she went back and binge watched it. Like I didn't see her for like a month. She was just gone. Some of you watch This Is Us. Oh, right? Or The Good Doctor, or whatever your whatever your your stuff. Some of you Game of Thrones. He said Game of Thrones in church. I said it. Some of you put I said it. Whatever it is, but listen, those of you who watch any of those shows, The Bachelor, okay? Those of you who have your show that you watch, whatever it is, you don't go to season one and watch the first episode and then skip, watch like the fifth or sixth episode and then watch like the eighth and ninth back to back and then skip the season two. But we do that in church. 
listen, I, I really feel led to address some of these things because God's going to do something specific. And if we're going to go beyond belief, we got to focus on whatever our one thing is. Whatever our one thing is. For some of you, and, and I've said a lot of negative ones, and you're like, man, he's just whooping us this morning. Listen, for some of you, it's starting a business. You're supposed to start a business. You knew it. You've laid out plan after plan after plan, and you keep losing focus. You keep losing sight over it. Start a charity, whatever it is. There are some great things that you've lost sight on, you lost focus on. The great thing about the story of Nehemiah is there's no miracles, but clearly the hand of God was at work. When you lean in what you know God wants for your life, when you lean into the things that you know God wants to focus on, when you lean into the vision that God's birthed inside of you, God will address the problems. God will give you the strength and God will give you the fortitude to continue on and not stop. Stand with me this morning. So whatever, whatever your one thing is this morning, I dare you, I dare you, I almost made cards for everybody to fill out this morning and bring them up here. And then I thought, I'll do that, but I'm not going to have anybody put their names on them because I, but I decided not to do any of that. But I dare you this morning to share with somebody in your close circle, maybe an accountability partner, maybe a spouse, maybe a friend. I dare you to share with somebody your one thing. Tell them, here's my one thing. Here's my one thing. This is my one thing this year. And I need you, every time you see me climbing down the ladder, I need you to take that cattle prod and I need you to shock the bejesus out of me. Because I've got to stay focused. Amen? Father, I pray right now, God, over that one thing, we know what it is. A lot of us, uh, <laughs> as soon as I started speaking this morning, we recognized what that one thing is. But my hope and my prayer this morning is when, when we walk out of these doors, whenever we turn off the computer today, if we're watching online, whatever it is that we walk out and we, we put our focus on that one thing, 